This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be focusing on Microsoft's announcements of a Surface tablet and Windows Phone 8, plus more stuff about the latest and greatest from Apple. We'll be hearing from Joe Wilcox of Beta News, a former industry analyst, Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, and Mike Prospero of laptopmagazine.com. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Joe Wilcox of Beta News, former industry analyst. The big question of the day is, in your lifetime, have you ever had some bad blind dates? Well, uh, the computer, I'm afraid to say. Windows 8 is my bad blind date, to be honest. Worse than any, any woman I could have ever uh, gone out with, I guess. Well, I'll tell you. Honestly, over the years, yeah, I had a few girls who maybe were a little bit strange. But some people think I'm a little bit strange. <laughs> you know, I met my wife from a dating service. This is back in 1976. And the dating service closed very soon after we got together. It's as if they existed for us and that was it. Isn't that mysterious? <laughs> Isn't that weird? That's weird. Okay, the bad line date is Windows 8. Now, right. let me just tell you what I think, and I want you to be more explicit about it. And that is, when I look okay. at Windows 8, and I've got running under Parallels Desktop on a Mac, and the performance is decent, I'll tell you. But once you get past the surface, ugh, there's not much there that's worth using. And, I mean, that was the whole point. I said, you know, she's stunning, sexy, sultry, but you can't live with her. And, uh, and it's... It's a pretty operating system. The user interface kind of grabs you. It's uh, different. It's fluid. It's responsive. But then when you try to use it, you run into all kinds of problems. The way you have to continuously scroll, the way everything is kind of flat instead of three-dimensional, really uh, doesn't make any of the content pop from those uh, tiles. And, of course, most of the applications you're going to want to use will take you back to the old motif, the desktop, which is really quite a jarring experience, at least I find it that way. you got to run it. What do you think? Schizophrenic, my friend. As you say, you <laughs> also have two different versions of Internet Explorer. You have an Internet Explorer with a traditional Windows desktop and then one from Metro. So the question I have here is if you set up all your bookmarks on one and then you use the other, you have to start setting up your bookmarks again? You know, I, I didn't test that. I didn't have – I but Microsoft only gave me a loaner for like three weeks and I had to just about – grovel to get that so uh yeah i didn't test that oh, what's your experience i haven't had a chance to test that that's why i asked you but the one thing oh, about no. it is <laughs> understand here you know obviously i prefer the mac but i've been using windows since the early days i can get by in windows i've used windows 7 and it works fine you know i run apps on it i check email i check my sites to make sure they work on both platforms all that stuff so i have no problem i prefer the mac but with windows 8 I play with it a little bit, and I say, what is this? And the artwork really drives me crazy because the artwork appears to be from the 1980s. And this is 2012. <laughs> it's got this flat tile thing. But someone once wrote, 
you might have seen the article that Microsoft has a penchant for widgets. So tiles to them are widgets. That's all they think about. Maybe when Steve Ballmer goes to sleep at night, he's widgetized? <laughs> There's something to that. I mean, if you think about what Microsoft tried to do in the 1980s with Windows 8, they introduced this concept called the active desktop. And so it's more like the 1990s, content. obviously. I understand, yes. Yeah, the 1990s. And so in a lot of ways, the tiles really revived that concept. Also, when you talk about the, the 1980s look, there's something about, about it that reminds me of, you know, Windows 1, 1-ish or 2-ish or even 3-ish. I mean, it's definitely, you know, flat. And also, changing subject, before I forget, going back to your question about the browser, you do have a new mechanism with Windows 8 where you, like on the Mac, you sign in with an email address. So it's your, it's your iCloud account on the Mac. It's your Windows Live. Well, I guess they're going to rebrand Live. Well, your Live account today, and uh, that syncs everything up like it does in the Mac. So I'm assuming your bookmark... It's like your Apple ID. Would, yeah, would I'm familiar with Windows Live accounts. Yeah. I use my Hotmail account for that. So I, I suspect that everything will sync up uh, on Windows 8 like it does in, uh, online today. Okay, so let's go into the thing here. Now, there's no start menu. Right, that is, that's freaking out a lot of people. Right, um, so what do you do here now? <laughs> you don't have a start menu, so how are the functions replaced on the Metro desktop? Well, you, you kind of have like a start screen, which is part of where the, the beauty of, of Windows 8 disappears real fast. You know, you have this normal, I guess, desktop motif for the tiles, and they're big and we'll say beautiful, although they're not that beautiful, but they're, they're big and visible. But when you get to your start menu and you start pinning things to it, you got all these little icons all over the place. It becomes very cluttered, very fast. If we're talking about the blind date, the woman analogy, you know, she's moved in and she's taken over all the closets with her shoes, I guess. It's, <laughs> it's no fun. Okay, now, if you go to the traditional Windows desktop, it doesn't have arrow anymore. That's removed. Correct. Okay. So, so it's basically, when, a, instead of having that dimensionality and shading, it's all flat. It's all flat. And then, to make matters worse, not only are you dealing with this new flat motif you may not be accustomed to, now you have the ribbon inherited from Office. Uh, and, you know, the, the ribbon, I, I don't care what Microsoft says, it's not really designed for touch screen. I mean, it's not big, it's not old, it, it's harder to get your fingers on this or that to make things happen, and it's different from what people are used to. So no, they go I'll back tell you, I don't like a ribbon thinking, at all. Well, <laughs> I have Office 2011 for my Mac, and it has a ribbon. It has a traditional menu bar, which Microsoft, of course, right. varies. But the ribbon is useless because what you find is functions are mixed between the menu bar and the ribbon, so you have to go back and forth. Of course, with Windows, there's no menu bar unless you call it up optionally, right? I guess so, and, and I should say that uh, consider yourself lucky because at least on the Mac version, you have a... A way back. Uh, the folks in Windows, they got the ribbon and nothing else. There's no, they can't go back to the old way of doing things. There is no menu bar option then. There's no old menu bar option. In other words, it's been a while since I've used the Mac version, but correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have to, you don't have to live in the ribbon if you don't want to. Um, well, the problem is here, yes, you do, because say, for example, you have one function that writers like you and I use, which is review, okay? Some right. of the functions of review. Oh, I would are available in the tools menu under track changes. Other functions are available from the ribbon. You can't basically get them all in one place. Never the twain shall meet. 
sounds to me like we have schizophrenia there before we even get to Windows 8. So yeah, mixed motifs, they don't work. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Microsoft does a lot of focus group testing. When they check out new products and services, they do focus group testing to see what customers think. Now, wouldn't they have realized this, sending this out to prospective customers and saying, what do you think? And they'd all be freaking. Well, and who knows what's going on, you know, internally. You know, you can say that, um, well, first of all, there, there are problems with focus groups. I, I've, I've observed some before and don't trust them generally. Uh, I don't think they're all that reliable. Is there On the a other reason hand, why they're uh, not reliable? Maybe, well, you know, it's, it's, too much of a, uh, it's too much of a lab uh, lab scenario where, you know, people may take cues from other people. They may not really say what they think. Uh, they want to, you know, it's, it's, think of, think of any kind of, uh, um, psycholo- uh, uh, psychology you can, you can apply to a group, a, a group setting, an enclosed group setting. People aren't necessarily saying what they think. They're saying what either they think people want to hear, um, that are doing the focus group or they want to fit into the little group that they're participating in. And so it becomes too much of an echo chamber. So, for example, when um, also, Frank Luntz on Fox News wants to do a conservative focus group and he supposedly brings in some liberals there or Democrats or whatever, you expect that the people are mostly going to want to go with the prevailing winds regardless. So if Microsoft says, here's our wonderful new Windows 8, isn't it great, people will be less apt to be objective about it. I'll tell you what, we'll be objective about this. We have Joe Wilcox. He writes for Beta News as a columnist. He's a former industry analyst. More coming on the Tech Night Owl Live. Summer's here. That means that many of us will be spending more time working from home or while traveling. So getting everyone together for that company meeting may just be an impossible task. But not if you have GoToMeeting with HD Faces by Citrix. It lets you host your meetings with clients and colleagues face-to-face all while online, no matter where they are around the world. You know, my listeners can try GoToMeeting with HD Faces free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, use the promo code podcast then download the free app one more thing go to meeting is giving away eight new ipads on facebook just visit facebook and like the go to meeting page then you can enter to win your new ipad and then you can refer a friend and if they win an ipad so do you check it out like go to meeting on facebook and you could win an ipad Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need 
need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Joe Wilcox. He writes columns, of course, for Beta News. And he's also a former industry analyst. So he's been around and he has a good flair for how things work. We were talking about the trials and tribulations of focus groups where they tend to be echo chambers. So we have a situation here where... Microsoft supposedly wants to test out these products. They submitted Windows 8 for a public beta, what, last September? They released a developer preview in October. But it was a, uh, it was a public the, yeah. preview. You could download it and install it last fall, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, but I'm saying developer. here is they didn't get the memo. I mean, a lot of people I've heard tried it out and said there's something wrong here. Well, so let's go back to your focus group thing, because there's another issue here with the focus group. When I first saw uh, Windows 8, again, that which is why I did the, use a blind date uh, analogy, it looked good. I thought, wow, this looks really good. 
it's really impressive. But then you use it for a while and you feel differently, and that's what you don't get in the focus group. What you get is the initial wows. Like it's just, you know, really grabs me when the reality of using it is something else, and you're not going to get that in a 90-minute focus group. Okay, so that's the big thing here. Beauty is only skin deep. Is that a problem also with yeah. Windows Phone, that it looks really nice, but when you try to do a lot of things with it, you run into troubles? Well, it's interesting. Uh, a, a lot of people that use Windows Phone really like it. Windows Phone is different. Uh, that, that user interface works a little bit better uh, in, in that scenario simply because it's meant to be used and uh, used briefly and you move on to something else. Microsoft has this concept behind Windows Phone, which it calls glance and go. The idea is to get your information quick so that you can get off your phone and live your life. So it's not meant for you to spend a lot of time interacting with that tile interface. And on the small screen, we're trying to get live bits of information or do search or, or whatever else, share stuff. That works. That's a very different user scenario than having something very similar to that. On my iPhone or my iPad, I will spend extended FaceTime with an application. I'll go beneath it. I use loads of apps. And one of the problems is if you just stick with the Surface and the Twitter messages and the Facebook messages and your email alerts or things like that, it's fine. But as soon as you start using lots of apps, the Windows phone scenario falls down flat. I haven't used it enough to say. I have more experience with you know Windows 8. But uh, from what little I've used it, again, they don't want you to spend, to, to spend loads of time with the phone. It's, you know, get on it, get off it, live your life, not live your life in the apps or in Facebook. In other words, face-to-face -face rather than, you know, face on the screen. So basically here, if that's not your way of working, that's not the system that you want. Could be, but, but that's a whole, whole other issue. We'll get and to that in a moment because Microsoft this week also okay. announced Windows Phone 8, and we'll get into that and what's being offered in a moment. Back to Windows 8. Okay, so Microsoft okay. wants to have the same user interface, fundamentally, except for this pseudo Windows desktop, on a tablet and on a traditional desktop computer. Now, Tim Cook says you can't mix a refrigerator with a toaster oven. So do you regard the toaster oven being, say, the tablet and the refrigerator being the desktop computer? Well, I might use, I might use different appliances, but... Uh um, <laughs> in some ways, that's true. I mean, Microsoft's kind of in a rock, uh, kind of kind of a rock and a hard place situation. They need to advance the operating system, really make some dramatic uh, changes here, and move on to the, I guess, the cloud-connected device era. And they have to find a way that, to to jump ahead while also living with the reality of this huge legacy install base. And in some ways, Microsoft is facing the same challenge today that Apple did in 2001 when it was trying to move from what was later called Mac Classic to OS X and trying to move forward, but still for a while, so that legacy. And Microsoft's legacy is much, much bigger. The thing so, also is that when you go from the traditional or classic Mac OS to OS X, yeah, it looked different, but it wasn't that much different because most of the things you did, with very few exceptions, worked the same way. You still had a lot of the same functionality. If, it was just, you know, some differences in terms of system preferences and the limitations of the Apple menu. But a lot of it was basically the artwork more than the basic functionality, which is very much the same. Well, Apple didn't have to contend with a touchscreen either. 
a very different user, you know, the, the, a dramatic change in the, I guess, the hardware user interface. Except it- here, here's a difference here. And that is with Mountain Lion and Lion, Apple's adding gestures because people have touchpads on their Mac right. notebooks or they have a magic trackpad for their Mac and they can use those gestures. Fine. Even the changes in Mountain Lion and Lion that reflect the iosification of the Mac where applications get features that seem to resemble more their iOS versions, the fundamental processes that you learn on a Mac in 1984, point and click, they still work. With Metro, I don't know what works. Yeah, but those processes that you learn on the Mac don't work when you go to iPad and and iPhone, which is why Apple has introduced the gestures uh, and and quite aggressively so with Lion and and uh, presumably more so you know with Mountain Lion. Also, in Microsoft's defense, Microsoft isn't thinking about the Mac; it's thinking about you know iPad and other cloud-connected devices. Uh, how it's going to going to take Windows kind of from the desktop really uh, mobile, and that's uh, that's complicated. I mean, look at look at Apple. Did Apple just take you know, OS 10 and, and stick it on, you know, iPad or iPhone? No. We have a derivative product. Uh, and, and now we're starting to see more of a merge between iOS and, or, uh, or, or I guess a, not a merger, I guess a remerge. They're coming back together uh, and, and may so completely down the road. Right. So right now, Apple recognizes that you interact with these two operating systems differently and they reacted accordingly. They didn't expect you to use them the same and make them look 100% the same. They're similar. They're not the same. But Microsoft has taken that approach. Now, here's a question I have, a real serious question about Microsoft. And that is, over 40% of the people who use Windows right now are still sticking with Windows XP. Microsoft obviously wants the enterprise to upgrade their Windows licenses because that's their largest number of customers. So with Windows 8, is the enterprise going to stick with XP, go to Windows 7 and say the heck with it? What's going to happen? Well, I think most of the enterprise will stick with, uh, will go to Windows 7 instead of Windows 8. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, um, it shows some of the wisdom of, of what Microsoft is doing now. You know, Windows 8 is clearly a transitional operating system. Windows RT, much less so. And Windows 9 is likely the destination that Microsoft wants to reach. If there was any time that it was going to bring out something transitional like this, this is it. You've got the, the majority of, of uh, enterprises will either have uh, recently switched to Windows 7 or will be in the process of deploying Windows 7 when Windows 8 ships. We'll talk more with Joe Wilcox on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. You don't need to be a bodybuilder to benefit from whey protein. Besides building muscle, whey protein supports glutathione production, your body's number one antioxidant and detoxifier, helps with weight loss, and may help with strength, energy, youthful appearance, and a healthier libido. Why is it that no one is reporting these broad-spectrum benefits from typical whey protein powders? Because all but one of them are damaged by heat, filtration, or chemicals. Fresh liquid whey has been used for hundreds of years to restore health to the sick and youth to the aged. One World Whey is a brand new protein powder that retains the broad-spectrum health-giving benefits of fresh raw whey. Hundreds of people have reported tremendous improvements in all aspects of health. Kids and adults love the flavor and the effects. Call 888-988-3325. Mention coupon code KNOCKOUT and you'll receive a free tube of knockout pain cream with your order, which eliminates soft tissue pain in 10 minutes for 90% of users. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Attention, information in this one-minute message could save your life. Don't wait for the next emergency to happen. Act now to be prepared. Now, more than ever, civilians and communities must communicate with family, friends, and neighbors in the event of civil unrest, natural disasters, or other emergencies. That's why there's CivilDispatch.com. CivilDispatch.com is a universal system that can be used for a wide array of urgent notification alerts. Weather emergencies, civil unrest, emergency responders, amber alerts, school or business closings, any need-to-know situation. CivilDispatch.com is an emergency dispatch communication system, allowing anyone to quickly and easily send and instantaneously track emergency email and text alert notifications. CivilDispatch.com gives you the power of enterprise alerting without the enterprise cost. Don't find yourself unprepared. Learn more and become a member at CivilDispatch.com. That's CivilDispatch.com. Civilian Emergency Dispatch System. Peace through preparedness. 
Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. With Jill Wilcox, former industry analyst. He writes for Beta News, where he does some very fascinating columns. We're talking about Windows 8 and where Microsoft's going to go. Now, Microsoft, as you say, is assuming businesses will probably migrate to Windows 7. They won't go to Windows 8. Maybe they'll go to Windows 9. But if Windows 8 doesn't take off in the consumer market, what is Microsoft's plan B? I'm not sure that it has one. And I think one of the reasons why Microsoft is releasing its own tablets, the Surface tablet uh, announced this week, is I wouldn't say it's plan B exactly. Maybe it's plan, plan A to make sure that there isn't a necessity for a plan B. Microsoft is taking a more more charge of the whole end-to-end experience, finding that in some ways it can't rely on its uh, partners to do it effectively. So it's going to make its own own it's going to make its own branded tablets. Okay, let's look at the Surface now. I was bothered by what I read about the Surface in one area, and that is actually a number of areas. But the first one is Microsoft is clearly unhappy with the way their third-party OEMs are dealing with potential tablets. So we had this. What was it, a trade expo in Asia a couple of weeks back? Computex. Right. Yeah. And some of those products were totally insane. In other words, you're talking about full-size notebooks where you pull off the screen, where you turn it upside down, where you have screens in back and screens in front, all this jury-rigged junk. So Microsoft says, we're going to do it better. They're doing, I guess they're trying to do what they did with the Zoom. Of course, remember, the Zoom failed. But the message here, the messaging to Microsoft's partners is, if we're going to do it, what will the partners think? Will they say, you know what, why should we build a tablet? Microsoft already has their tablet, and maybe if it succeeds, we'll try to work with them. If it doesn't, the heck with them. We'll have to go and try to sell traditional PCs if we can, or go to Android. Well, the traditional partners don't have a lot of choice. Android's not really going to be good enough for most of them, so... They either go with Windows or <laughs> there isn't a lot of other uh, option for them. I want to say something about this launch. The last time that Microsoft had a secret event and there was a lot of buzz around it was when it uh, launched a debut project Origami, which eventually became a ultra mobile PC. Now, when I was working as an analyst, I spent some time with those guys before they released the product and. It was, in some ways, the precursor to iPad before, you know, four years before there was an iPad. Microsoft is thinking about a smaller, lighter, touchscreen computer that would be under $500. And they built prototypes using off-the-shelf parts. They're very excited about it. But when their partners got a hold of it, they saw it as a new category, a chance to make a lot of money, and they priced the devices very high. So instead of $500 or less, they cost $1,000 to $1,200 or $1,300 instead. And there just wasn't a market for an 8-inch touchscreen tablet uh, that sold the same price as a laptop. The category failed. Now, here we are, in many respects, six years later, and, and it's almost a revival of that vision that Microsoft had for ultra-mobile PC around Surface. Only now Microsoft has decided... It's going to make the hardware. It's going to do it right and not rely solely on its on its partners uh, to to uh, to do the job. I think it's pretty smart. 
the idea is good. We have to look at the execution. Now, one thing is here, when this goes on sale, Microsoft is not going to mass market it. I understand it's going to be available online and at the small number of Microsoft stores. Is that it? We'll see. Uh, it looks that way, but um, the number of stores are expanding, and that's you know that's part of the goal here. You know, Microsoft is looking at this like Apple and Sony and everybody does. Is that you're not just selling products, you're selling a lifestyle, and it's always been like that. There was a lifestyle around Windows, a lifestyle around Mac. There's one around iPhone and iPad, and what any company wants to do is connect those pieces together in a grander, larger lifestyle. And Microsoft absolutely wants to do that through its stores and through its online Microsoft store. Right. In many of course, ways, they only have, what, maybe 5 or 7% of the number of stores Apple does. They have less than 20. Apple has, what, 360, something like that. And at least with the iPad, you can get it in lots of places here. The distribution will be limited. Maybe there are production considerations. Maybe they don't want to flood the market and then have unsold product. They're testing the waters, perhaps. I'll grant that. I don't think it's that. I, I think they're they're being somewhat respective of their channel, avoiding channel conflict. However, what Microsoft says today to ease their partners and what it does in the future are two different things. I think Microsoft will actually be very aggressive about this product because ultimately its goal, particularly with the Windows RT tablet, which will price-wise more likely compete with iPad, is to gain market share against iPad and against Android tablets. Microsoft needs to do that rapidly, and if its partners can't deliver, it's going to do it itself. Did you go to the media event that Microsoft had, by the way? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. My understanding here is they did not have a fully functioning, working prototype to let the media play around with. You know, they got... Easy, quick FaceTime, check it out, goodbye, hand it to somebody else. It wasn't something that supposedly is very close to production, but they couldn't spend long time with it. Now, consider, it's being introduced in June. If Windows 8 ships, say, in October, and they want to get out the ARM or Windows RT version of the Surface by October, it has to be in full production by what, July? Initial production ramp? Uh, could be. Uh, actually, it could be a lot tighter than that wouldn't shock me if they could go. I mean, look at what Apple does, uh, particularly to keep things secret and ship stuff from China, FedEx, whatever. That might only need a few weeks to really ramp up production. Okay, so August. Whether okay, August, say. Say they start ramping September. up in August even or early September. September for October or late October delivery. All right. This would mean that the prototypes you see now have to be near final because you only got a month or two before you have to get these things into production, mass production. You have to have near final samples now Instead, you have stuff that you can't even detect whether it's fully functioning or you have non-functional prototypes. I don't see how they get that thing out. I think if the thing was working, it has to be working just about perfect now to make a fall deadline for production and shipping. Maybe it is. You know, it's um, you have to think about it from another perspective. Is that, you know, Microsoft is looking at competitors and partners and um, it doesn't want to may not want to reveal too much. Uh, e even at this juncture. Sure, but they have to show 8. whether the darn thing works or not, for heaven's sake. And even the specs are something. Oh, they limited. did show They did show that it worked. I mean, uh, sort it of, yeah. an anyway, never mind. It, I don't think it, any evidence that it worked completely because you couldn't hand it to a reporter and say, spend 20 minutes with it and tell us what you think or something. See what it does. Impress them. And you have specs that are kind of unfinished. You know, you go through their spec sheets, very limited, lots of questions, 
about the various specs. I'm not going to read them here. You can find the comparisons at a lot of different places where they compare the new iPad with Surface for Windows RT and Windows 8 Pro. Bare bones specs, no final price. You know, it looks to me like they showed a prototype, but I'm not convinced they can make it work yet. Maybe they hope to. Maybe they hope to get production out this fall, but it's just as conceivable that these things won't be out till next year. Windows pricing isn't out. Office 2012 pricing isn't out. Windows Server 2012 pricing isn't out. Those are all products that are coming in just a few months. It's very typical for Microsoft to announce a product and not reveal pricing for, for some time. I don't see anything. I mean, companies do this all the time. I see, um, uh, I see it all the time that uh, you may see an event and a launch and a few prototypes for a lot of reasons. You know, they, they want to keep, keep things under wrap until it's time. So they showed off the design. They got people to, to see what it looks like and get a sense of, of what it's going to be. But they want to keep the, I guess, the, the, the final details final until the very end, until they're ready to announce. But what I'm reading here That's is just an empty shell. If of- they can't show the thing is working, they're showing videos, they're sitting there with the unit and they're plugging it into their full-size projector like Apple does, they can't prove yet this thing is a fully functional product today for whatever reason, then you may be right. It might be strategic, but well, other, it, la- it raises questions. We'll go into more with Joe Wilcox. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? More important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Introducing a Diabetes Breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough we 
all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We return with Jill Wilcox, former industry analyst, and he's a columnist for Beta News. And, of course, we've had some skirmishes here about Microsoft Surface and Windows 8 and about the problems I perceive. He disagrees with me to some degree. But you have to understand that as far as I'm concerned, I want Microsoft to succeed for two reasons. One, I don't want to see any more employees like the ones over at HP getting laid off. That's not fair in any society, any condition, but you don't want to see people out of work. And Apple and Google will have to fight harder if Microsoft remains a tough competitor. If Microsoft fails, they don't have to compete and everybody falls down the job. Let's look at Windows Phone 8. Now, Windows Phone 8 was announced this week. I want to ask you one thing I was concerned about. Maybe you can explain this. Previous Windows Phone products like the Nokia Lumia 900, they can't be updated, can they? No, they cannot. (laughs) In a sense, Microsoft may have this week frozen sales on on, uh, all existing Windows phones, or at least for anybody that cares about uh, getting the next version of the operating system, because uh, none of the phones currently available will be able to run Windows 8. The Lumia 900 has been on sale for, what, two months? On a Windows phone available today that's been out for more than 24 months, that means every single Windows phone user that bought through a carrier it's still under uh, contractual commitment for a phone that's, that essentially uh, is obsolete. It's bricked almost in a sense. But the other question I have here is 
Microsoft says they're going to have a limited feature upgrade to like a Windows Phone 7.8. Is that their dodge? Is that their way around it? Well, let's look at let's look at Apple. Okay, iOS 5 is backward compatible to the 3GS, which shipped when? 2009. What, 2009. Backward compatible uh, to well beyond the original 24 month. Even though yeah, people have been getting the, the phone since then. The point is. Uh, going back three years, they're still supporting uh, their phone. And Microsoft isn't even doing that for two months. And I should so point out, too, with it, iOS 6, Joe, with iOS 6, mm-hmm. it will still support the 3GS. Some features won't make it, and I gather it would be because of the more limited power and resources on that model. But you'll be able to get a functioning iOS 6 with more new features. And then as you get more and more expensive models, the iPhone 4, the 4S, its successor, you'll have more and more features, the iPhone 4S being everything. You see the irony here, right? Sure. I mean, Apple Apple has been for years criticized for jumping ahead and leaving customers behind, introducing something new that's not backward compatible with what they have, but particularly you know, during, uh, on the Mac particularly. Yet Microsoft... You know, would bend over backwards to provide uh, the compatibility for for uh, its customers to a fault. That's why so many of them are still using Windows XP today, uh, because Microsoft you know, just keeps giving that support. Now suddenly the roles are reversed. It's Apple that is providing the backward compatibility for hardware, and Microsoft that is not. The irony, my friend. Isn't that strange? All right, let's look at Windows Phone 8. Say tomorrow we decide we're not going to buy a Windows Phone now because we'll wait till the fall when Windows Phone 8 is out there. Other than support for multi-core processors, higher resolution screens, what else does it have? That's a good question. Um, you know, Microsoft was a little bit you know light on on the details. You've almost covered the list right there <laughs> with what was with what's been announced this, this week. Well, they have built-in wallets. I read that. They've got a improved start screen. But it looks very light on features. And we have to say, look, Apple announced iOS 6 with 200 features. Now, I grant you, some of those features are just barely features. They're just slight enhancements. We can always argue with Apple that some of their extra features are not worth the term features. But this looked very light. And I've seen that before. Let's take a look at Windows 8. Now, other than Metro... What does Windows 8 do that Windows 7 doesn't, other than Metro? Oh, well, there's a lot of nips and tucks under the hood. I mean, the performance is a lot better. Um, startup time. Um, there's just a lot of, like, little improvements, the kind of things that you would see in OS 10 that you don't necessarily document. Right. These and are just basic optimizations to, as you progress and you make the kernel better and you improve how things work. You optimize it like Apple did. That's one of the reasons Apple had Snow Leopard, because they optimized Leopard and added new core capabilities. We understand that. But that's the thing that bothers me about Windows 8, is that other than normal optimizations, is this just Windows 7 Plus with a new face? No, it's a lot more than that. Again, a lot of the changes are really you know, under the hood in terms of um, the core architecture of the operating system is actually coming in more in line with uh, the desktop product. We're seeing support uh, for the developers for native code, which is going to be a big deal uh, for Windows uh, 8 and for Windows Phone 8. Uh, it means that the, the apps can be can be lighter uh, and, and smaller. 
and it'll, it'll be easier for the developers uh, to write. Microsoft also is talking about uh, improving multitasking, which is somewhat limited right now on uh, Windows Phone 7. Uh, point five. In some ways, similar to the way you know iOS uh, kind of, I guess, blocks off the tasks. Okay, so basically what we're going to have here is Windows Phone 8 is going to be out this fall, and I guess they'll have a new lineup of phones to deal with it. But what's going to happen to Nokia? I mean, Microsoft has poured money into that company to build flagship products, and now, you know, is Nokia going to feel really warm and fuzzy knowing that all the phones they've sold are now basically dead-ended? Not even the ones they've sold, the ones they're still trying to sell. I, like, you know, Lumia 900 started selling in the United States in April, and that's their flagship phone, and essentially it's obsolete. It also kind of makes mincemeat of all Microsoft has been saying in defense of the single-core processor, the screen resolution. You know, there's been the talk, well, it's it's... Our OS is optimized, and the and the speed is there. It, it works good enough. It's as good as those, those dual core or quad core phones out there, and and I agree with that. But the reality is, they're still moving the architecture forward and leaving all those customers behind. Nokia is in a really hard place. They're going to lay off uh, 10,000 employees over the next 12 months or so. Uh, they're burning through money. They're uh, been downgraded to junk status, and now Microsoft comes out and says, oh, the phones that you're selling today are going to be obsolete in, in, in holiday 2012. Essentially, they're obsolete now because we're not going to upgrade them. The unkindest <laughs> cut of all. Who wants, buy, who wants to buy into that? Who wants to buy into that? Who wants to make a, 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 a 12, 18, 24-month commitment uh, to a phone that's going to be obsolete in four or five months. So Nokia is in a rock and a hard place. They've, uh, you know, got uh, uh, they're they're shedding employees. They're burning through money. They're, they've been downgraded to uh, junk status, and they're selling uh, phones to people that have to make long-term contractual commitments for devices that will be obsolete in just a few months. Uh, I, I don't know if. <laughs> It's just a ridiculous situation to be in. Also, more broadly, if you look at what's been happening, who's buying these Windows phones now? Many of these people are early adopters. They're enthusiasts. They're the kind of the kind of customers that uh, you know keep a company, keep a brand going. And they would be the kind of people that would want to buy these new devices. Only guess what? They're locked in the contracts and can't do that easily. And they're going to be upset. Huh. Well, the thing I wonder about here, was there no way to make Windows Phone 8 work and be upgradable from Windows Phone 7.5 devices? Is that where Microsoft was left with their architecture? Uh, it looks to me that's where, where that looks to be the situation. But if you want the another spin on it, I, I saw a, a couple uh, comments today suggesting that uh, Microsoft had essentially treated the entire Windows phone uh, uh, buying base, whatever, I don't know how I want to put it, all those customers as beta testers. He bought a Windows phone, 
you were beta tested for the real Windows phone. And the irony is that's the commercials AT&T is running. Stop using those beta phones. Here's the real thing. The Nokia Lumia (laughs) 900. Irony of that, right? Hey, Joe, where do we find more of your stuff? Oh, that's true. At uh, betanews.com. Okay. Check betanews.com for more comments from Joe Wilcox. Just a reminder, neighbors, if you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, you can send us a tweet at Tech Night Owl. You can write us news at technightowl.com or check our forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Pay us a visit. Joe, thanks for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks, Jim. Coming up next on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll hear from Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. He's got lots to talk about, so stay tuned. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. Utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, and we've got a lot of ground to cover the next hour or so. And first thing we'll talk about is the stream of Microsoft announcements. So understand last week Apple holds the WWDC, or the Worldwide Developers Conference. They talk about lots and lots of interesting stuff. And now we see Microsoft trying to get a leg up on Apple. First with the Surface, which of course is their tablet. Then they're talking about Windows Phone 8 and all that stuff. Now looking at the Surface, 
Is there anything beneath the surface there, Jim, or do you think this is just some kind of vaporware? And the reason I say that is because the products seem very, very unfinished. Well, not only unfinished, we, we don't even know really if it's a real product. I mean, there's no pricing, there's no details on release, there's, uh, you know, the, the, the specs, they wouldn't let anybody really touch it to, um, to get a good hands-on with it to see what it would do. We don't know anything about it. That's what bothered me a lot, the fact that so little information was being presented because if something is a couple of months at the most from going into manufacturing, you have to think, okay, at this point, they are ready to have a final prototype or near final prototype ready for manufacturing. So they could just as well hand those things to reporters for a short time and say, hey, everything works. They couldn't even bring up a slide presentation. You know, like, for example, with a new Mac or a new iPad or whatever, Apple has a demonstration where they physically touch the device, which is hooked up to the projector. So you see what it's doing. Here, they were just looking at this tiny thing, but no projector, no idea to see if anything really works. Yeah, it was it was very strange. I... Uh... I mean that's that's the danger of of trying to to release a product that's not ready. I mean they were they got ahead of themselves. Well, one of the things that bothers me always about Microsoft is they are notorious for announcing a product or a technology, and then it never comes to pass. Or if it does, it's much much feature limited, much more feature limited than you might expect. You can't trust them when they show an unfinished product that's ever going to be released. Well, I mean, just in the past few years, they've they've announced uh, the the slate, and I mean, this is with partners and everything. But they had the slate, and then they had uh, the courier. I mean, just you know, and and nothing ever happened with them. So, I mean, this one, uh, you know, it's it's probably real, and they'll see this through. But I just don't know that the the strategy that they have is. A good strategy. I know if I was the head of an OEM manufacturer, having shown my own prototypes of tablet-type computers, and I watch this presentation, and I want to call up Steve Ballmer and say, what the heck are you doing? You just stopped the market. You killed the market for every product but theirs. Yeah, I, you got to wonder what the OEMs are thinking now, um, especially since... They, I mean, if they had to come out and said, okay, this is it. This is how much it costs. This is what we're going to do. And here's our strategy. Uh, they sort of did that. But, you know, you still don't really know a whole lot about what's going on. And I, you know, their, their partners must find that very frustrating. Now, one of the things that bothered me in looking at it, it seems to be designed for horizontal operation. And the reason I say that is because you have the stand and back it's not a stand that works vertically it's a stand that works horizontally then you have this accessory keyboard on the interior of the cover but no indication whether there's an internal touchpad on the device itself so if that's the way it works where you set this down on the stand and you open up the keyboard it's not really a tablet in the sense of an ipad or an android tablet or a kindle fire it's a small personal computer well What's interesting about this, and, and I will give Microsoft credit for trying something different. Well, at least we're talking about it. Well, I, I mean, when you look at 
at uh, what I've said over the the past year or two about tablet makers uh, copying Apple. Uh, you know, I've I've repeatedly said I, I'd like to see somebody come out and try something different. Microsoft did that, so I give them credit for that. But I don't know that they're really trying anything different from what they've already done before. You know, they're they're trying to make the tablet a replacement for the PC, and I I don't know that that consumers are ready for that yet. Apple tried a different strategy, and they drew a line between a tablet. For for touch de- uh, touch devices and touch enabled apps, and uh, a MacBook Air, and there, there's a distinction there. Well, this is a thing here. It looks to me like Microsoft is presenting this as basically a small PC. That's right. It. Whether yeah. it's on the ARM processor, Intel, this is a small PC. It is not a separate category of product. It doesn't work like a separate category of product. It just works like a small PC. Well, and they're they're trying to uh, kind of wedge in all of the existing software and and things like that. And I mean, that's difficult. You can't do that because that software is not made for a touch-enabled device. And so, you know, how are you supposed to uh, to use uh, you know an app like Microsoft Office? Uh, how are you supposed to use that? on a touch-enabled device and and be able to to accurately, you know, do what you want to do. I mean, it's it's a fine premise to say we can use all of our existing software. But can you really? You know, I, I don't think so. The key being, of course, is it meant to work that way? Obviously, Tim Cook has made very clear about Apple's strategy. Apple's strategy is that this is the iPad serving a specific need and being interacted with in a certain way. And sometimes you can come close to a PC because you can hook up an accessory keypad. And then we have the Mac, which is the Mac. And now we have Microsoft, which wants to blur the distinction and create the illusion of the PC everywhere. And to me, they don't get it. Yeah, that's that's my feeling as well. They, they, they just, they're trying to shoehorn something in here and it, it I don't think that's what people want. And, you know, Apple can say to to us as consumers, this is the way that tablet computing should be. This is it. And they show us the iPad. Well, if if we don't buy into that, then we just don't buy the product and it fails. But that's not what happened. People are, are buying the product... Oh, you know, millions and millions of them, tens of millions of them. So it's not Apple that has spoken and said this is the way tablet computing should be. It's consumers. Consumers have spoken. And Microsoft has been telling us for 10 years that the tablet was going to take over and that basically it was just another PC because that's how their OEM partners treated it. They presented all sorts of notebooks with removable screens and swivel screens and two-sided screens and screen screens. And people said, no. Yeah, some vertical markets picked up on them, but the market said no. So what is Microsoft doing taking the same concept and making it smaller and putting their brand name on it? Yeah, basically. that That's the way that I see it, unless there's something in there that, that I'm missing. Um but, you know, I saw people commenting yesterday that 
um, the the surface will be successful because Microsoft is giving users a choice. You know, you can use the keyboard and you can use different things. I don't know what else you could do, but certainly uh, a keyboard on on what basically amounts to a smart cover from Apple it doesn't excite me very much. You know, I could I could care less about that. Well, the big question, of course, we have about the Surface is we only have a vague promise of a release date. We only have a vague statement about competitive pricing. We don't even have a full slate of specs. We don't know anything about battery life. We don't know if there's LTE. They don't even say Wi-Fi <laughs> on it. You know, there's so many questions that you'd think would have been answered in a preliminary demonstration. And we can't even see anybody on the planet who has seen one fully functional so it could be tested. We have Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hi, Doug Dorfler here from Midas Resources Precious Metals. In these trying times, all of us have to be concerned about our financial situations. Every day we hear of problems with our financial institutions and of the European economy. Even the latest CBO report under the Extended Alternatives Fiscal Scenario says the future of the U.S. budget is bleak. Now is the time to weigh your options. Call me, Doug, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 167, and I'll be glad to answer any of your questions and help you add physical precious metals to your holdings. No matter what your financial position is, you need to protect yourself and your family with a portion of your assets in precious metals. Again, call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 167. Again, 1-800-686-2237, extension 167. Thank you and have a great day. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic 
organic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg from the Tech Night Out Live. We were exploring Microsoft's Surface and whether there is anything beneath the surface. And as you know, in the previous segment with Joe Wilcox, color me skeptical. It may show up. It may just be something that Microsoft will present, hoping their OEM partners will get a clue and do something better. Because Microsoft also is not promising mass distribution. They're promising an online store sale of the product. They're promising to sell them at the Microsoft stores. What are those? They're, what, 10, 15 Microsoft stores. So basically, it'll be sold in very few places. Yeah, that's what it, what it seems like. You know, certainly online is a good place, but people want, want the opportunity to use these things. That's why the Apple Store is, has become so successful because people can go in and they can, they can touch things and, you know, get their hands on them. And they like that. People are nervous just ordering online, although a lot of people do it. So they may see, you know, the bulk of their sales that way. The Kindle Fire had a built-in audience of millions of people who buy Amazon stuff. Also the fact that they already had an audience for the Kindle. So if you bought the Kindle and you kind of like the Kindle, this is just a Kindle on steroids, I guess. You know, Amazon did did a lot of, of very interesting things with uh, with the Kindle. They they didn't compare it to the iPad, and they didn't try to make it the iPad. But, you know, that's not the way that other people are doing it. So the Kindle, even though its sales are starting to drop, I think that the, the Kindle will remain successful because it's got that built-in audience. It's got the brand of the Kindle. So Amazon Amazon's got a a winner on its hands no matter really how many it sells cuz it's just going to keep selling. So they have a particular niche for themselves. 
Do you think, though, that they're taking sales away from Apple or from other Android tablets, even though, of course, if you look at it, you don't think of it as being an Android tablet? Yeah, I, I don't see them really taking sales away from uh, from anybody, really. Yeah, certainly not Apple. If it was anybody, uh, I, I suppose it would be the smaller Android tablets, but it's it's quite a niche that that Amazon has and they've exploited that very well. So that's the market that they have, they know what to do with it and you know they're going to they're going to do well with it. And they have done well with it. But Microsoft here, you think they've got a one trick pony going on. They've got the surface, the reality is questionable whether this thing is actually going to take off. And you wonder about the name because you already have a Surface, which is basically a touchscreen-enabled coffee table or something. Why use that <laughs> name? That name has not established itself as a mass-produced product. Yeah, it's funny about that, isn't it? I, I don't know what would make them uh, do that. I, I, I don't really understand it, but, you know, they're, they're going to do what they, they feel is, is right, I guess. I just... I don't get that one myself. We shall see what we shall see. I think my biggest criticism is that too many members of the media have taken this thing seriously. That bothers me a lot because I think they should be skeptical. They just accept, okay, here's an ex-iPad killer, and they don't look between the lines, although more and more people are, which is good. The fact is that more and more people are skeptical about what Microsoft does. That takes us to Windows Phone 8. Did you check the announcement of that? Uh, I I took a a quick look, but you know nothing nothing too major. I'm not really too concerned about that either. Certainly, Nokia should be concerned. But if you look at the spec sheet for Windows Phone 8, the major features are using a traditional Windows kernel, which is kind of what Apple is doing with the Mac OS 10 kernel with iOS. Then yeah. adding support for multiple processors. For higher screen resolutions, but nothing like a retina display, that's half of the improvements. They may or may not improve multitasking, improving Internet Explorer, turn-by-turn navigation, some kind of voice recognition that's improved, and maybe a better way of handling the start screen and the tiles. I think that's it. Apple has 200 changes or improvements in iOS 6. Microsoft, that's less than a dozen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is what people are going to get, you know. uh, Will I mean they're going to sell some? There's no doubt about that. They they sell some of no matter what they release, they sell some. So they're going to throw it out there. They're going to see what happens. And you know this isn't the first time they've they've done this. They did it with that what was it the Kin, that little phone. You know they don't have a great track record of introducing products to compete with the the market especially apple and being able to beat them and the thing is here you have to think if you're going to beat a company at something you don't want to produce something that's two years behind you want to be two years ahead yeah the surface is not two years ahead of anyone the windows phone 8 is not two years ahead and by the way if you buy a windows phone device now you want to upgrade to windows phone 8 forget about it well you know, I, I, this this stuff is it, it just seems odd to me because you know you brought up a good point when you when you release a product you want it to be ahead of what's already out there 
And I, I, looking at what I've seen from the surface, I just don't see that. I, I don't see how it's ahead. I don't see, you know, maybe it's comparable in some ways, but, you know, then you have the whole um, app history and stuff like that. I mean, Apple has, what, 600,000 apps? It must be more now. That, that was a little while ago. It was 650,000 at the WWDC. Well, there you go. Okay, 250,000 for the iPad. How many tablet apps for the iPad? 250,000. How many for Android? A few hundred. How many for Microsoft? Zero. Yeah. I mean, Android is getting up there. They've got some some apps. You know, I think they have a couple hundred thousand apps or something. Um, so... They, but not they, tablet apps. No, 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 not not tablet apps. Um, I it, it's the thing that Microsoft is trying to convince people of is that their apps are built in uh, Windows apps. I, and you know me, I don't buy into that. I, I just don't see it. I mean, if if you could run all of the Mac apps on an iPad. Would that make the experience of the iPad better? I don't think so. Because the apps that we have now are written specifically for touch, not for a mouse and keyboard. You see, that was the problem that kind of did in the mobile version of Flash. That Flash was designed for desktop computers in mind, and the way you manipulate the access to a Flash site was designed for a desktop app. As soon as they tried to pigeonhole that to working with mobile devices, it failed. And we go back to Microsoft, you know, we're talking about the round peg in a square hole. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are The GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com.
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to FreezeDryGuy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's FreezeDryGuy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze Dry Guy, the best you can buy. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. With Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live. We focus on the Microsoft Surface, such as it is, we focused on Windows Phone 8. Now, you have a little piece there, three pithy paragraphs earlier this week called Stupid New York Times. Now, what is the reason for that? I think our listeners would want to know why you call the New York Times stupid. Certainly, we can echo that opinion. Well, what bothers me about the way that the mainstream media is handling this is that they're already proclaiming the death of the iPad and and MacBook Air when we don't even have a working product they the press were invited to an event where an a, an alpha product was released or shown nobody could could do anything with it but yet the the press walks away and says oh this is going to kill the iPad well no you can't say that i mean that's that's just bordering on ridiculous 
They said that about the Zune. When the Zune was introduced yeah. as a working product, oh, it's going to kill the iPad. Ha, ha, ho, ho. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it didn't kill the iPod. You know, I mean, as a matter of fact, they just put it to its own death uh, a couple of weeks ago. But when you say that this is going to happen, I mean, they should have some thoughts of, well, maybe this isn't going to be successful. But uh, apparently that didn't happen. So I get frustrated with that. And I just, uh, you know, I, I pick out those those stupid articles and and let the readers uh, see them because, uh, you know, I, I think that's what needed to be done. And it doesn't matter to me if it's the New York Times or, you know, a, a guy blogging down the street. Well, I think, of course, the New York Times, they're not going to apologize if the surface never comes to be or is much less than they predicted. They're just going to look foolish. I think that's a problem. Let's look at a few other things as we progress through this interview. Now, lots of fascinating things are coming out here about the WWDC and about, of course, the new MacBook Pro with Retina display. And I guess the question I have about everything here is that the thing is impossible to fix. I mean, you take it apart, everything is glued together, soldered together. What is Apple thinking? Of what? The MacBook Pro? The MacBook Pro with Retina Display, the iFixit teardown, says you can't fix the thing if it breaks. You can't even replace the battery, not like you can with unibody MacBook Pros. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think that the, the Macs have ever been uh, too friendly with repairs or uh, replacements, mainly because I think that they're, they're built very well. They don't often break like a, a regular PC does. So I, I don't know what you would want to do in there that, you know, if it's under warranty, Apple will replace it or fix it. You know, they, they know how to get in there and do whatever they need to do. So if you, if you need it, then you can get it done. The question I would have, I think, about that is you're making it harder for the Apple service people to fix it because suddenly they can't do anything but replace whole components. You have the integration of the case with the display. If the display goes bad, you basically throw out everything and put a new case in with display? Yeah, well, I mean, if Apple made that big of a mistake, then, yeah, that's that's exactly the right way to do it. Just replace it. I mean, you remember the, the old computers, uh, the old Macs. Oh, back it, in 1984, the original yeah. Mac... You couldn't take it apart for any reason, so Apple no. went back to that. Yeah, they were they were soldered shut, basically. <laughs> you know, uh, that that was that was actually kind of funny, but I don't know. I I didn't. I don't put too much into it. That you know, you can't take it apart. I I don't know many Mac users that that want to do things like that. It's the same caution, I guess, as you have with the MacBook Air. If you want a certain amount of memory, buy it with that amount of memory. You're not going to be able to add it later unless you're good with a soldering gun and you don't mind being risked with destroying your computer. Yeah. You want a bigger solid-state drive? That might be removable as a daughter card, but it doesn't make sense. This is basically an appliance. You don't buy your TV set with the expectation of changing anything inside. The only thing you will do is fix something if it's broken. Otherwise... You buy it, and you use it, 
the same way it came from the factory? You know, I, I think we're at a, a stage now with electronics where we expect the things to work when we get them. Now, if Apple releases a MacBook Pro and it starts breaking on on everybody, then they've got a bigger problem than just not being able to, to get in and, and fix a, a problem, you know, and they should be held, held accountable for that. But, you know, if nothing happens and this is the process that they see is best for, uh, for the machine for whatever reason, uh, then fine. If it breaks, you better fix it, though. Well, the other issue may be that to get the first version out on time, they had to concentrate on getting a working product, and later on they could manipulate the case and the chassis to make it more fixable. Remember, they did that with the Mac Mini. The original Mac Mini, you wanted to change your memory on, you needed a putty knife, and you had to be real careful not to bend the case. Now you open the bottom. Apple, I suppose, could have done that originally, so maybe they'll think over time, as this product moves into new generations to change the ability to change memory and such. Yeah, I mean, that could happen. It could stay like it is. I mean, maybe you'll need a putty knife for this, too. You need a very funky kind of screwdriver. It doesn't help, though, but yeah. you do. I don't know. I, I, I don't ever remember in, in the 20 years that I've been using Apple products taking a a mobile computer apart. I mean, it's great. I fix it, does it? Because that's what they do. They, they tear these things down. But for the average person, it's not a big deal. Kind of, sort of, to replace memory. I've done that. Never replace a drive in one, though. Yeah. I replaced No, actually, you're right. I did replace a drive in one. That was a lot of years ago, though. That wasn't so difficult. It was possible on some models. The current ones, you can actually, on the regular MacBook Pro, change the battery by removing 12 screws. But I expect, you know, once you get in there, there's room for mischief. And it may be what Apple's trying to avoid is the mischief, knowing that people who really know what they're doing will figure a way anyway. The third parties will find a way. Just like they have a way to get into an iPhone, they have ways to get into an iPad. You don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. You got a MacBook Pro with Retina display over there? Me? Yes, sir. I do. I got one after the keynote. Is this a review one or one that you own? No, a review one. Okay, so you have to send it back, unfortunately. Fortunately. Yeah. But tell our listeners briefly, we'll get into this in the final segment, what are your reactions, good, bad, middle? Well, I, I have to say first that uh, I, I got it during WWDC, so I had very little chance to use it. When I was there, I went back to the hotel and and used it for a few hours just doing, you know, the regular, my work, you know, browsing an email. I didn't do any really rough testing on it with audio or graphics or anything like that. But it was very fast and and the screen is just magnificent. It really is. Uh, it's when you when you look at the screen, it does look very sharp and very vibrant. And, you know, I, I really liked it. I, I, right now I'm using a 13-inch Air, so I don't know what I'm going to do because I love the Air. I, I, I've really grown to love that Air over the, the past uh, year or so. So I'm not sure what's going to happen now. Am I going to, you know, put the Air out to pasture or keep using the, um, uh, the 13-inch and... Wonder what to do with the 15. Should I get one of those? 
Well, obviously, if you order one tomorrow, you're going to wait three or four weeks for one, but you have to think about it. We'll get into more of the MacBook Air with Retina display changing the paradigm for mobile computing, you know? With Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Attention, information in this one-minute message could save your life. Don't wait for the next emergency to happen. Act now to be prepared. Now, more than ever, civilians and communities must communicate with family, friends, and neighbors in the event of civil unrest, natural disasters, or other emergencies. That's why there's CivilDispatch.com. CivilDispatch.com is a universal system that can be used for a wide array of urgent notification alerts. Weather emergencies, civil unrest, emergency responders, amber alerts, school or business closings, any need-to-know situation. CivilDispatch.com is an emergency dispatch communication system, allowing anyone to quickly and easily send and instantaneously track emergency email and text alert notifications. CivilDispatch.com gives you the power of enterprise alerting without the enterprise cost. Don't find yourself unprepared. Learn more and become a member at CivilDispatch.com. That's CivilDispatch.com. Civilian Emergency Dispatch System. Peace through preparedness. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 888 3653. That's 1 888 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. 
Attention business owners and individuals who owe the IRS. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? You need aggressive representation. Call Certified Tax now and speak to one of our tax attorneys, enrolled agents, or tax professionals who specialize in tax liens, back taxes, tax debt, wage garnishment, and collections. We won't waste your time. Instead, we'll be on the phone with the IRS within 30 minutes of you becoming a client. And you can become a client right now. We've settled millions of dollars in tax issues for a fraction of the cost. Find the peace of mind knowing the IRS will not be knocking at your door. Protect your home, business, and family today. We know the tax laws, and we act fast. Call today for your free, no-obligation consultation. 1-800-685-9751. Remember, we'll be on the phone with the IRS within 30 minutes of you becoming a client. That's guaranteed. Call Certified Tax at 800-685-9751. That's 800-685-9751. Again, 800-685-9751. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live. He has a MacBook Pro with Retina display. Now, in looking personally as to whether I want to get one, I have to think, I already have a 17-inch MacBook Pro from 2010. The 2011 version, the last one, was a wee bit faster, had Thunderbolt, I don't. The question being now, do I want to go from 17 inches to 15.4 inches? We're talking about a diagonal screen measurement of 1.6 inches, which I suppose is rather insignificant. Well, yeah, but you can certainly tell a difference uh in the the screen uh, the physical screen sizes if you put those two computers together i'm that, thinking of subjectively you sit down and work on it obviously you put them side yeah. by side you see the difference yeah but when you get a a, a retina 15 inch i have a 17 inch as well uh, but if you get a a 15 inch retina display you can make the uh, the resolution uh what is it, 2880 I mean, it's just incredible how how the resolution goes. So it, it's funny on the the new MacBook Pros, it the display panel doesn't show you. Before you know, it was uh, six forty by four eighty in the in the display preferences. Now it shows larger text or more space, and you just click one of five uh, buttons going either towards larger text or towards uh, more space, and the resolution changes appropriately for that. In that way, is it alleviating confusion on the part of the user to get rid of just the numbers that we've always had? Yeah, I mean, people don't understand those numbers. They they know that, you know, one is better than the other, but this way it shows you, it's a a visual cue um, about what's going to happen when you click on one of those buttons. So much the same as everything else that Apple does, they, they kind of, you know, focused in on, on giving you some cues to, to know what's going to happen. So, you know, I, it was, it was kind of, kind of nice. Now, I understand that under Mountain Lion 10.8, you kind of sort of going to get a similar option. So, for example, if you're on iMac and you're using 10.8, which will be out, what, in a few weeks now, when you set up your display resolution, you will have the option of best for built-in display where it figures it out for you 
or scaled where you go back to the numbers. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. So now I you learned something new. Yeah, I See? picked that up. I picked that up. I, I didn't know they were going to do that on the, on the desktops. I expect here Apple's trying to make it simpler because a lot of people who come to the Mac came to the Mac as a result of the iPad or the iPhone or originally the iPod. That being the case, they're used to mobile computers and they want a simple way to get used to a desktop computer. And certainly if they're coming from Windows, it's going to be a revelation anyway. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, the you know, Apple is learning a lot. They learned a lot from the Mac OS to take to the iPod and an iPhone and iPad, but they're also learning stuff the other way too and bringing that back into the Mac. So it's it's good to share that kind of that information and be able to to do that for all the products. Now, as we look at the migration here and the coming of Mountain Lion 10.8 sometime in July. We consider also the fact that people have been skeptical of the migration to Lion, but as of the WWDC, what, over 40% of all Mac users had gone to Lion. That means in, what, 10, 11 months, more people went to Lion than, for example, any other previous version of the Mac OS in that period of time. And that means with people using Lion and the predecessor, Snow Leopard, is like 90% of the Mac user base. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of that has to do with, I I think, a couple of different things. One is certainly price. I mean, they're charging, what, $30 for for an OS upgrade. That's that's just kind of crazy. But, you know, that's what they're doing. The other thing is that they're, they're building in features, but features that people can can use and get a lot out of but more importantly i think that it's because the os's are are very stable you know snow leopard we didn't see a whole lot of new things in in snow leopard when it was released it was a a maintenance uh you know they they really went through and made sure that everything was working properly and and took out a lot of old code and did things like that and when when lion was released you know, it did have some new things in there, and it would, you know, some. You always have a couple of of fancy features and things, but again, it was very stable for users, and and there wasn't a lot of of applications that just flat out wouldn't work. You know, there there were some that had problems, and the developers fixed those, and and they were released. So you can you can reasonably upgrade your your operating system and not have to worry about having downtime. Now, going from Snow Leopard to Lion, some things were different and confused people, but I didn't find it a big deal. No, I mean, there's always going to be things when, when Apple puts in a, you know, a feature, if it's spaces or mission um, control or, you know, whatever it is, there's, there's going to be things that some people don't like. That's going to happen in, in every release. It happens in regular software releases. But, you know, I didn't find it a big deal. Mountain Lion is is a great-looking OS as well. And Mountain Lion basically can be used precisely as Lion, except some apps have new names and there's some new features. Yeah. But if you just take it and you walked in there from Mac OS 1.0, you came on the time machine, and the time machine takes it from 1984 to 2012, here's Mountain Lion. Oh, it looks prettier. It's colorful. It's dimensional. But most of the things you learned in Mac OS 1.0 
are the same. And this is the Microsoft mistake because if you take Windows 95, for example, with the standard way of doing things in the menu bar, and now you've got Windows 7 with ribbon toolbar where you have to click on those stupid icons instead of having a real menu bar. And now with Windows 8, it's different again. Why change for the sake of change? Well, I think that that shows that they didn't know what they were doing the first time. You know, it seems pretty clear when you do something and then immediately have to come out and and change things. I mean, there are a lot of good ideas out there for user interface design, but, you know, one of the the best usually is to keep it simple. And not to change it for change's sake. I mean, if you've got hundreds of millions of people using Windows and it works, how do you make it better? Do you throw everything out that people are used to or do you add stuff that makes it better? How do you make it better just by being different? Well, yeah, that's, I mean, you can't, you can't just be different just to be different. You have to improve on, on things. And if you're not improving on it, then you got to wonder what you're doing. Well, I guess we'll know with Windows 8, with Windows Phone 8, and with the Surface, whether Microsoft has a clue. Now, do you think Apple, let's move back to Apple very briefly, do you think Apple is making a mistake not to promise any significant changes in the Mac Pro until 2013? Why the heck is it taking so long? A lot of professional users out there are rightly concerned. Well, I don't think that they need to be concerned. Um, you know, at this point, I think all they need to to do, is they need to know that, you know, in 2013, there will be a, a big upgrade. But, you know, that's not there right now. I, I think the biggest concern was that they they were afraid that it was going to just disappear altogether. And, you know, that's not going to happen. Well, that's obviously made clear. And they also changed the perception of an earlier statement. I think this is something that David Pogue had heard from an Apple executive that there wouldn't be an iMac upgrade till next year. Apple removed that, took it off the table. That implies there'll be a new iMac soon or this fall. What do you think? Oh, it's it's so hard to say with with uh, hardware updates because, you know, as soon as a new chip gets released, then people expect new Macs. And, you know, Apple doesn't always work like that. They don't go because Intel releases a new chip or, you know, there's a new technology available. They have a schedule of of things based on, you know, design and manufacturing and and, and CPU and processors that they want to be able to do. They also had a lot of notebooks released, so maybe they'll withhold the iMac until at least Mountain Lion is released. So the week that Mountain Lion comes out, they'll release a new iMac with Mountain Lion preloaded so you don't have to wait again. But I do not believe, and this is my final statement on the subject, I don't think the next iMac is going to have a retina display. It's going to be too darn expensive in a 27-inch screen. Yeah, that, w- that would be massive, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. I don't think we need it. Jim Dalrymple, where do we find more of the things you do? You can find me at loopinsight.com or jdalrymple on Twitter. Jim Dalrymple, thanks for joining us on the Tech Die Now Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Mike Prospero. He's Reviews Editor for Laptop Magazine, and therefore works with our friend Avram Pilch. So before we talk about anything else, and you were at the California event where Microsoft introduced the Surface tablet, any secrets you can tell us about Avram? Any secrets about Avram? Huh. Well, he loves his SSDs, that's for sure. I don't know how big of a secret that is, uh, but uh, yeah, get him started on SSDs, and uh, it's hard to stop him. Okay, so when it comes to a solid-state drive, he has an obsession. Okay, I'll ask Avery. Oh, yeah. What are your secrets? <laughs> My secrets? Oh, I'm, I'm an open book. <laughs> Actually, his open book right now is a MacBook Pro with Retina display, so we're jealous. Okay, you went to California, <laughs> and you saw the Microsoft rollout, such as it was, of the Surface. Now, being that you were there, have you gone to Apple events, too, so you have a comparison? No, I haven't been to any Apple events, uh, but I've certainly, uh, ha- after having followed them on online, um, Microsoft definitely pulled a page out of Apple's playbook, that's for sure. There was um, a lot of secrecy. We, only, we were only told about it uh, in less than a week in advance. Uh, we weren't told what it was going to be. In fact, we di- I didn't even find out where it was going to be in Los Angeles until... The, basically the morning of the event. That's even worse than Apple. Apple sends out a press invitation a week earlier and says, come to this place at this time with a hint at what's going on. 
So Microsoft wouldn't reveal the location. Is that a little bit excessive? <laughs> Somewhat, you know, but I guess they, like Apple, you know, they achieved uh, what they were looking for, you know, and getting a lot of people talking about it. Okay, certainly they got coverage. We've covered them. I mean, two of the three segments of the show that have appeared already have included coverage of the Microsoft Surface. Okay, let's talk about the event. Maybe describe what you saw, and then we'll try to parse it and figure out what's going on. So Microsoft lays out its vision for tablets here. Yep. Uh, Steve Ballmer came out, uh, you know, to much uh, fanfare, held up the tablet, talked about it a bit. Um, And then afterwards, we were brought back to another room where they had a few stations set up and uh, other Microsoft representatives talked about the various features of the tablet. Um, It was a little telling that we didn't get actually none of of the press there actually got much hands-on time with it. Um, we saw it for a few minutes, but we weren't able to really dive into it all that much. So I think it was more talking about more their, their message was trying to talk about the hardware itself and not say how it all worked together with the software. Not the software integration. Did you have a chance to see whether it has a built-in touch screen or is that cover serving as the keyboard? Uh, no, there is a there is a, there is a built-in touchscreen, um, but then the cover has and then, then the cover has a keyboard as well. Okay, so, so you didn't get things. a chance to try the keyboard on the unit itself. No, I mean, I, I um, well, I actually I did sort of mess around with it a little bit, but not to not just to just to see how it felt, but not actually how well it typed. It has a slightly uh, it's like a almost like a felt cover in feeling to it on the top. On the screen or on the cover? On the cover, I'm sorry. Right. But on the screen, it just feels like a standard screen. Yeah, it's pretty much like any other um, any other uh, tablet. Okay. So you couldn't tell about the action, the responsiveness, move things around. Very little chance for that. Very little chance for that. I did have a little, you know, I did do one or two things with it, and it seemed to work just as well as any other uh, art tablet that I've used recently, which is a good thing, I guess. <laughs> Well, that's the thing I think a lot of people are worried about, that you couldn't get extended FaceTime, mm-hmm. that you got this very quick look at the surface and going below the surface to see how everything works, how the web browser works, et cetera, et cetera. This is something that was so tightly controlled by Microsoft, you couldn't see it. And the concern I had, and maybe you can answer this, is wouldn't you think that if something's going to be released this fall with Windows 8, so we're talking about, what, October maybe or November, it's a couple of months at the most from going into mass production. Wouldn't those prototypes be pretty much shipping products? Uh, you would think, although having seen other Windows 8 tablets from other manufacturers, uh, I think they're all pretty much about the same stage right now. I mean, we really haven't had, and no one, I think, has had too much hands-on time with finished Windows 8 products yet. So I think they must all be at the same the same level of production. I think all the final kinks are getting worked out for them. Now, looking at the unit briefly, now it looks nice on the front. Are the sides beveled or squared off? Uh, They're beveled. They angle back slightly. I think Microsoft said it was a 22-degree angle. So it definitely is a nice-looking tablet. I'll, I'll give them that. It has a very sturdy feel. It's I think it's made out of it's made out of magnesium. Um, so it feels fairly light. It's one and a half pounds, I believe, which is pretty good for a, a 
10 inch tablet. You know, it has a nice premium quality feel to it, which uh, is more than can be said about all Android tablets at the moment. <laughs> okay, now it's got a stand, a pop-out stand. Yes. Now, I had that, heard in one report that it's a little tricky to get that thing to open. Is that correct? Yeah, it is, actually. There's a small cutout on one, on one of the edges um, where you just put your finger in and flip it out. And once you figure it out, it is... It is easy to open it up, but it's that figuring out part that I, I saw struggling with, actually. Okay. However, you know, it is nice. The having that stand, being that, that said, having that stand in there is a nice addition and something that other tablet makers probably would be wise to consider including themselves. Okay, but it's designed for horizontal, not vertical operation, then? Yes. So, which, isn't, which isn't such a bad thing. I mean, that's how I, I could see you would want to use it in the horizontal mode, um, you know, for when watching movies or typing, say. Okay, because obviously, if you want more screen space vertically, you just turn it over on an iPad, and I assume Android tablets. Is Microsoft restricting you to horizontal? I, yeah, we don't know yet. Um, it, like I said, you know, we didn't have much of a chance to see uh, whether or not, you know, it flips uh, orientations, but I would be very surprised if it didn't let you use it in both landscape and portrait modes. Okay, now looking at the Intel version, looking at the pictures, it seems kind of clunky from the side. It's thicker, uh, you know, they, it's squared they, off. You know, they did, actually, they didn't have, they only had the RT version uh, available for us to hold on to and take, take a look at. So I think the, the Windows 8 Pro version um, you know, they're still sort of fleshing out some of those details. Now, speaking of fleshing out details, when you look at the spec sheet, it's very sparse. A lot mm -hmm. of questions ought to be answered. I would think if the RT version is three or four months away from release, they ought to have a fairly complete spec sheet now, shouldn't they? I mean, it doesn't even say Wi-Fi. It doesn't say if there's going to be a cellular radio LTE or something. But you do notice the battery capacity that's advertised there is smaller than the capacity on the new iPad. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I like like with the other specs, I'd you know I'd be surprised if they didn't have it all flushed out right by now. Uh, and at the event, they did mention it was going to have a two by two Wi-Fi uh, antenna in it. Um, so that I'm not too concerned about. I, I wish they had mentioned the screen resolution. I mean, that's going to be one thing where a lot of consumers that's going to sort of be a make or break. Uh, decision on that regarding that spec, I think. Well, their specs talk about HD. Two uh, different types of HD. Now, you have 720p HD, you have 1080p HP, and some people are assuming that the ARM tablet will be 720p HD and the Intel tablet 1080p. But that's an assumption. Yeah, that is an assumption. Um, it's a reasonable one, but uh, it's an assumption nonetheless. Now, did you guys ask them these questions? Did they say, hey, guys, we'll flesh them out in the next few weeks? What did Microsoft say? Uh, they said, you know, we, yeah, everyone asked this, were asking those questions, and they said, uh, basically, stay tuned. Um, more details will be released. And they actually were somewhat vague on when those announcements would be released. We're not vague about this. Mike Prospero from Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. He works with our friend Avram Pilch. More coming on the Tech Night Owl Live.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Good day, Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, June 22nd, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 1570.70. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1601.27, 805.14 for a half ounce, or 40257 for a quarter ounce. That's 1601.27, and 40257. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for heart and body extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order Heart and Body Extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. Mike Prospero from Laptop Magazine. He's a reviews editor, so he gets to see all the great gear. And we're jealous of him now because he has a spanking new MacBook Pro with Retina display. We're talking about the Microsoft service and where it's going to go. Now, Microsoft has a habit sometimes, more than sometimes, of showing new technology or a new product, and somehow it's never introduced on time or is never introduced at all, or the version that does appear is something that is less than advertised. And I think of Windows Vista. They were advertising features, and then by the time Vista came along, some of those features, like the new file system, went bye-bye. So with the Surface, what is Microsoft doing here do you think they're now honor-bound and forced to get this thing out on time, or will that fade in the winds? I think more than anything, the Surface might be a way for it to uh, you know, give a little kick in the pants to all the people, who, all the other companies who are producing Windows 8 tablets and devices. Maybe they might not be satisfied with what they've seen so far um, and are you know, putting this out there as a way to spur other manufacturers to come up with something even better. So maybe in part this is a technology demonstration, and they could say, well, it's going to come out thus and so, so you will either have the OEM say, fine, we're just going to give it up, or we'll come up with something better, and Microsoft will say, since they came up with something better, maybe we'll sell this in limited production. But it sounds like limited production anyway, because it'll only be sold online at Microsoft Store or in one of their few retail stores. Yep, I mean, which also leads leads to that belief as well, that it's sort of a inspiration, if you will, to other manufacturers. I thought it was uh, pretty telling, actually, at the event that Steve Ballmer said that Microsoft uh, believed, and I'm going to paraphrase him here, he believed that the merge, merging of technology, of hardware and software was important to, to get the two to work very you know, closely together. You know, it was a very sort of Apple-like statement, I thought. Well, yeah, but when it comes out of the mouth of Steve Ballmer, you take it with a grain of salt. But is this meant as a wake-up call, partly, for the rest of the OEMs with Acer and maybe Dell or HP? Okay, guys, we're going to do this, but maybe we won't do it or do it in large quantities if you give us some good ideas. Where are your ideas? And, you know, when Avram was here last, he was talking about this event in Asia where all these tablets were on display, and it all sounded like these crazy, quilt ideas that made no sense whatever. Yeah, I, I think the manufacturers have taken a sort of uh, throw-it-at-the-wall-and-see-what-sticks approach to Windows 8 tablets, uh, mainly because no one knows how consumers are going to be using Windows 8. Are they going to? Is it going to be? Are they going to be using it purely as a touch interface? Are they going to be using it as a keyboard only, or will they be using some sort of combination? Uh, 
no one knows, I think. And that's why we're seeing all these sorts of crazy different uh, approaches to it. So Microsoft shows a direction, but even then, it looks to me like the ARM tablet is meant to be a small PC as opposed to a tablet in the sense of the iPad as a tablet. I think, yeah, they're aiming more uh, for more, more of it as a productivity tool than anything else uh, you can see. with I mean, the, the detachable keyboard speaks to that, I would say. You basically lay it out as a small, portable PC, and if there's a touch keypad, it's an accommodation. It's not meant to be the main interface. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, you know for, there's myriad uh, cases with keyboards for the iPad, but none of them were made by Apple itself. So to see Microsoft actually having it integrated from the get-go with their tablet tells me at least that they're looking at this more as a productivity tool. But accessory makers will say, why should I bother if Microsoft is already trotting that path? And we don't even know if this thing's going to take off. And that's, I guess, the big thing that nobody can predict. Assuming it comes out substantially as you saw it this week. We're talking about the ARM version, not so much the Intel version. It comes out substantially. Microsoft's going to have to introduce a pretty big app ecosystem from the get-go, not just Office, to get this thing to take off. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And which is where I think their other announcement uh, that I was also at this past week uh, for Windows Phone 8 will definitely come into play. And it was uh, Microsoft on Wednesday had a developer, summer, developer summit for Windows Phone 8 in uh, San Francisco. And one of the things they announced was that Windows Phone 8 and Windows 8 are going to share a common core so that developers uh, who write code for say, Windows 8, will have a very easy time to port it over to Windows Phone 8 and vice versa. So that They want basically gonna... everything to be a small PC or a exactly. large PC. So, so they're going to be able to seed both app ecosystems very easily, I think. Or that's a goal. Well, the question is here, as Tim Cook of Apple said, can you combine the toaster oven with the refrigerator? Microsoft wants to sell, what do we call this, a refrigerator oven? <laughs> That's a, I haven't figured that one out yet, but when I come up with a catchy uh, nomenclature for that, I'll let you know. Okay. Now, looking at the Windows Phone 8 announcement, and I know what I read in the papers, as someone said about 4,000 years ago, it didn't seem there are a lot of features there that a lot of the new features, other than having the standard Windows kernel, were about the hardware, being able to support higher screen resolutions, dual-core processors, not a huge amount of stuff for the consumer. Apple announces 200 new features for iOS 6. How many new features are there that we could talk about for Windows Phone 8? Well, I think it's important to remember that for the Windows Phone 8 announcement, Microsoft was only announcing a few features. They weren't releasing the whole kit and caboodle there. They just wanted to talk about a few things. And actually, the few things that I heard, I think, will make it much more of a competitor with Android and iOS. For one thing, the revamped start screen in Windows Phone 8 is going to be larger and even more customizable. And more than anything, I think that's going to be a competitive advantage that uh, Windows Phone 8 will have over both iOS and Android. The problem has been now with the existing Windows Phone OS is that when you have lots of apps... It's difficult to move around. It's designed for something where you see a few things on the screen 
and you get your information and you go. It's kind of a get and go kind of thing. That's something that you will delve into. Mm-hmm. So is that well, something I, Microsoft's well, trying to change? Well, they didn't really address much with the app menu itself, but I think for the get, you know, take a look, you know, being able to quickly glance at the phone and get the information that you need and then, you know, go, the revamp start screen is definitely going to help that cause even more. Well, the other question I have here is what about multitasking? Microsoft hasn't done well with multitasking. They're two or three years behind the rest of the industry in terms of multitasking on Windows Phone. Is it better in Windows Phone 8? Uh, well, I ha- we, if we had even less hands-on time with uh, their Windows Phone 8 devices than we did with their Surface tablet. Um, but you know, so that but that that is one thing that they did address. Um, you know, better multitasking, and definitely they they're playing catch up in that department uh, with their competitors. So it it remains to be seen how well the new Windows Phone 8 devices will work in terms of multitasking. But you know, hopefully it'll be on a par with Android and Apple. Mike Prospero joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Love gardening, but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not PlantSkid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkydd.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. 
Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. 37 things to hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When disaster hits and mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. That's 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video over 1 million people of you to discover the 37 food items that will sell out first when disaster strikes at 123survivalplan.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Mike Prospero of Laptop Magazine, laptopmag.com. He's reviews editor there. So he went to the Surface rollout in the L.A. area, then to San Francisco a couple of days later to have a look at Windows Phone 8. So we have improved multitasking, we have turn-by-turn navigation, we have hardware encryption. These are things that are in the other mobile operating systems. I guess the question is here is would it be better for Microsoft to try to find what the next technology is, not trying to duplicate what's already known? You know, Microsoft's strength has always been that of a fast follower, not necessarily you know, leading the charge, but taking what's out there and sort of making it its own. And you know, say what you will about the company, but it's it, it's doing fairly well, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, it's it's software is in you know you know eighty percent of all PCs out there. Yeah, so but they've they gone doing- nowhere with their Windows Phone. Nokia is suffering, and now the big problem is I buy the flagship like Lumia nine hundred today from AT and T. This is the flagship Windows Phone seven point five. Now Windows Phone eight is coming out, and I have to compare this with. I'm using an iPhone 4S, and Apple announced iOS 6, also out this fall. iOS 6, I can update. With a Lumia 900, I can't update. That's a pretty cool blow to the small band of Windows Phone faithful that are already out there. And Um, what this does, though, is also kill the sales of existing product, because people who look at that, maybe the average person who doesn't care just wants something that works, that'll be fine. 
But somebody who actually looks at the industry and looks at the competition to see what's going on, they'll say, why am I buying this now? The operating system that has been announced won't support it. I might as well wait or buy something else. Yeah, that's definitely gonna, it's definitely going to hurt sales. I mean, there's no question about that. I guess the only benefit that they have to doing this now is that they're such a small user base that it's not going to be a huge impact on, um, on sales to begin with. Well, the other thing is here, if Apple can figure a way to build iOS 6, and obviously certain older iPhones won't get all the features for processor power, whatever reason, but you can go to an iPhone 3GS. First came out in 2009. When iOS 6 comes out, the iPhone 3GS will get the upgrade with most of the features. The iPhone 4 will get some more of the features, the iPhone 4S and whatever successor there is, get everything, the whole kit and caboodle. Why can't Microsoft do that? Why can't they build something that will work with the older hardware? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's definitely, it shows Apple's leadership in this category. You know, even in terms of when you compare Apple to Android, you know, not a, there's so many Android phones out there that aren't running the latest version of uh, the operating system. Of course, that's more of a reflection on the carriers than Google itself. But Apple, you know, they have figured out a way to, you know, keep all of their phones current. And it's a shame that, you know, Microsoft hasn't been able to do that with Windows Phone 8. You know, even though I did say that there's a, you know, there's only a small band of people who have Windows Phone devices at the moment, it's very risky, you know, you're potentially alienating this, you know, core group of evangelists basically who took the leap of faith and and went with a completely new uh, operating system. And you want those evangelists. I mean, evangelists is what kept the Apple platform alive all these years. When Apple was really in the dumps, you had loyal Mac users who stuck with the company. Yep. And you know, it's one thing if you're number one, where the only place to go is down, where you want to keep your momentum going. But if, if you're scrambling and you're a scrappy competitor and you're in a place where you're not number one, you're not number two, and you're just barely holding on to three or four, and you have to think, well, I want to have evangelists who will say, Windows Phone is everything. It's like, now if you look at the commercials, all the previous smartphones, they're beta, so get the Lumia 900. It's not beta. Well, maybe it is because you can't upgrade to Windows Phone 8. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think this is where sort of Microsoft's institutionalism is working against it. You know, it never, um, compared to Apple, it never has the, had the same sort of fervent following that Apple did. So I don't, th- I, you know, I don't think they were uh, thinking you know, too hardly about that small core group when when this uh, changeover happened. Or maybe they were, and it was just, you know, something that they had to do to bite the bullet. Maybe they couldn't make it work. Microsoft doesn't run as efficiently as other companies in terms of software, in terms of the speed of producing it. So maybe that was a problem. Okay, so looking at Windows Phone 8, again, you had the problem you couldn't see this thing working on devices for extended FaceTime. That's correct. It was, you know, like like the uh, like the Surface event. It was more of a, I think, more of a teaser than anything else. So this is coming, and you have to hope it'll be on time, and you have to hope it'll be what's advertised. And you understand my reason for skepticism about Microsoft because there's so much on spin, and not always delivering. Not that Windows is necessarily bad, but 
the spin starts there and never stops. You have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. No, that's definitely, you know, you, you definitely have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. The question I think I ask a lot of people here is, Windows Phone 8 comes out. We have people who have the current Windows phones who are upset, at least some of them, because they can't be upgraded. Now Microsoft has the deal of selling these things, getting carriers to keep carrying them, even though the carrier they prefer, being Nokia, is not doing that well. So at the end, if it doesn't work for Microsoft Windows Phone 8, there's a Windows Phone 9 coming. What's plan B? That's a good question. Um, You know, I think, you know, it's one of those things that they're going to have, they're just going to sort of plow through it. I mean, you saw, you know, you know, Vista wasn't a, obviously it wasn't a huge success, you know, so then they, you know, but they still forged ahead, you know, with Windows 7. So, you know, who knows? Um, I think, though, that with the integration between Windows Phone 8 and Windows 8, um, it'll have more, it'll have more of a staying power, at least with that, in that regard. That because the two sort of can coexist and help each other out. Now, the other thing I see is a lot of commentators expressing really severe skepticism about the possibilities of Windows 8. That strikes them as somewhat schizophrenic, to take the long and short of it, that the integration between the traditional desktop Windows and Metro isn't so smooth. It's kind of awkward. Yeah, it's, yeah it is. It's a little... Um, it's a little strange, you know, they're trying to serve two masters uh, with, you know, both a touch interface and a traditional desktop. And I think this is where, um, this is going back to my point about uh, all the different uh, form factors that you're seeing for Windows 8 devices from manufacturers is because no one knows how people are going to really want to use it. You see, with Apple, Apple says this is how it's going to be used, and that's it. And it either works or it doesn't. They're throwing everything out there and saying, this is our best effort. And yeah, things will get better. But if there's not an immediate acceptance of what Apple did, like with the original iPad or with the original iPhone, when there was no App Store, they couldn't really go on to make it really become better, far better. With Microsoft, they, I guess, are kind of hoping that if people don't buy Windows 8, Okay, they'll buy Windows 7 for a while, and maybe when Windows 9 comes out, it'll be like, what, the Star Trek movies where the equal or the alternate titles didn't succeed? (laughs) Yeah, I guess (laughs) every odd one, the odd ones don't work, and the even ones do work. Right. Star Trek 4, The Voyage Home, but Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock, I like that. I thought Christopher (laughs) Lloyd, whom you know as Doc Brown in the Back to the Future movies, made an excellent villain. Yeah, Doc but, Brown, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, Doc Brown playing yeah. this Klingon villain. And quoting Shakespeare, I believe. Well, no, that was the one that was... Oh, no, that was that was Khan, wasn't it? That was not Khan. That was... Doc, Christopher Plummer. That was that the Christopher Plummer That was Christopher one. Plummer, yeah. who yes. was quoting Shakespeare. Yes. And that was one of the better Star Trek movies. It was yes. number six. The fifth one is the one that William Shatner directed... And that's the one where Spock has a half-brother. Nobody liked it. Forget about Star Trek. We have Mike Prospero. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Survival is not about the end of the world. It's not about a hypothetical plane crash or the latest violet storm. Survival is about the satisfaction of knowing you can take care of yourself and your family in any situation, anytime, anywhere. CampingSurvival.com was started in 1956. No, not the dot-com part, the survival part. CampingSurvival.com has over 17,000 urban, wilderness, and preparedness items. Supreme customer service. Very low shipping and no games we look around to make sure we have the lowest prices and CampingSurvival.com is 100% usmc veteran owned don't base your survival on the latest spring up on the internet company do business with an authority on survival CampingSurvival.com. use coupon code gcn at checkout and CampingSurvival.com will take five percent off your order CampingSurvival.com. confidence born of preparation We want to know, how do you use WebEx? The smartest thing my company did was to give us WebEx. I'm in sales, and now I get twice the meetings, close twice the business, and make twice the money. I guess I should say thank you, thank you to the folks in IT. The new free version of WebEx meetings lets you take your office anywhere, your desktop, laptop, or mobile device. Get your free WebEx meetings basic account now at WebEx.com. WebEx from Cisco. W-E-B-E-X.com. Webex.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call one 800 686 now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. 
37 things to hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When disaster hits and mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. That's 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video over 1 million people of you to discover the 37 food items that will sell out first when disaster strikes at 123survivalplan.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. One more segment on the show with Mike Prospero of Laptop Magazine, laptopmag.com. He's a reviews editor, and we were talking about his trip to California to see the Microsoft Surface and Windows Phone 8. Now, parenthetically here, before we go on, Surface for a tablet. I don't think that the current Surface tablet is all that successful. It's overpriced. It's, you know, not something that normal people are going to want to buy, a $8,000 coffee table with a touch screen. You see them in movies and TV shows, for example. Maybe mm-hmm. they want to buy them. Why did Microsoft pick Surface? For the large desktop tablet thing or for the... We understand the- why it was done for the coffee table. But why for a portable tablet? Um, you know, it's, it's a brand name that they have, I think. Um, you know, and they're taking that sort of concept, but putting it... And I think that's what they want to do, is take that concept, but put it into a mobile device. And you're right, I haven't seen the big surface tables at too many other places, aside from, uh, you know, convention halls. And actually, I saw, one, I saw one at a rest stop in Switzerland last winter, but... Um, other than that, you haven't seen them around too many places. As I said, you see them used on movies and TV shows sometimes. You know, so yeah. a spy agency may for, have this. It's great it's, for CSI. It's, <laughs> it's, sure, on CSI, it's great for product placement. But I don't think anybody goes into the store and says, I want that. No, I think, you know, I think it's, um, I, you know, I think it's one of those things, uh, you know, maybe, it will, maybe like the Surface tablet that we saw this week. Um, it's going to be something to get people to think about what Microsoft can do. Technology demonstration. Okay, exactly. Windows 8. What happens if Windows 8 is another Windows Vista? You know, the Star Trek curse applies to Microsoft. All right, what happens as Microsoft then rush out Windows 9, or do they send out an update saying, okay, you can kill Metro and go back to a more traditional Windows interface and with that, get your arrow stuff back. Well, that's a good question. Um, I have, I, I would conjecture um, that they're just going to sort of plug along and then figure out some way to fix it in Windows Nine. Um, you know, much like they did with uh, Windows Seven. You know, just you know, Vista is going to be out there, but no one will pick it up. Now, isn't it interesting here? And I wonder about this. Over 40% of Windows users around the world are still using Windows XP, first released in 2001. So what can Microsoft do to get the enterprise to upgrade their PCs to a newer OS? Not just say we're not going to support it. They obviously have people who have been reluctant to switch. They wouldn't take Vista. Maybe they'll go to 7 and not worry about 8, but at least upgrade. What do they do? Yeah, I think that's what's, that's probably what's going to happen. You know, if... You know, if if eight isn't a big 
hit. You know, you'll see people, you'll see companies going to seven um, because that is, you know, a much more stable platform and something that uh, consumers and, you know, employees at companies are going to be familiar with. Very quickly, let's move to that product on the table there. The yes. MacBook Air with Retina Display. Now, having been exposed to it and having worked with Mac and Windows notebooks for a lot of time, what was your reaction? Uh, it, it's gorgeous. The display is unbelievable. I mean, when you put it next to you know, a notebook with a 1366 by 768 display, I mean, it's like going from standard def TV to high def. It was, it, it felt like that. The other question I guess would have here is there is kind of a schizophrenia deal there too. You have the OS, Mac OS X Lion, which is updated for retina display with double resolution icons and such. Some Apple apps, obviously the stuff that comes with the OS has been upgraded. Third-party apps will be do you see a problem when you look at this that some apps are retina, some are just normal? Um, you see a little bit. I mean, and it's most evident right now with uh, some of the browsers. Uh, some of the third-party browsers just don't like Chrome, for example. You know, don't look as sharp as uh, Safari, say. Um, I don't think that's going to be a problem for long. And, you know, it, you know, it looks a little bit fuzzy, um, but... I don't think that's going to be a too big of a deal going forward. In fuzzy, do you mean it looks about the same as it would on a standard MacBook Pro of the same screen size? Yeah, I mean, like for example, the text looks the text isn't as crisp. Um, you know, it looks a little—I would almost say blurry. Um, it's the contrast it's, between the two that makes it stand out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's on on. On uh, Safari, it's just the text is just ama amazingly crisp. Um, it's it's like looking at something uh, I don't know off of a you know a really high quality laser printer or something like that. Now the question would be about Apple's competition here. Apple probably got pretty big percentage of Retina displays in setting up this product. There probably aren't going to be many Retina displays for Dell or HP if they want to do one of these things. No, I don't think so. I mean, we've, we're seeing, although we're seeing more notebooks now from PC manufacturers with um, 1920 by 1080 displays, which is definitely a step in the right direction. And in fact, um, in the case of uh, Ultrabooks, uh, a lot of these you know 1080p displays that we're seeing from PC manufacturers are higher than what we've seen on the new MacBook Air. So... Uh, in some respects, you know, PC makers have, have stepped ahead of uh, Apple in that in that area. And I suppose one concern there could be that the icons and the text could look too small if the resolution is set too high. Now, the native resolution of the standard MacBook Pro is 1440 by 900, just shy of true HD. There is also a configurable version 1680 by 1050. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the, for example, on the 13-inch MacBook Air, you know, the highest resolution I think you can get is 1440 by 900. Um, by comparison, uh, notebooks such as the ASUS UX31A, you can get a 1920 by 1080 panel, and it's it just uh, you know so much sharper. 
the, the uh, however, you know, with that set being that being said, um, you know, Windows Seven isn't necessarily doesn't look necessarily all that great when all the icons are shrunk down that hard, that small. Um, in fact, we put Windows Seven on the MacBook Pro with Retina display, and you could barely see some of the the start menu items. Well, there is a resolution setting where you get like the half resolution, if you understand what I mean, the optimized resolution where the doubling doesn't decrease the size of things like you do with the iPad and the iPhone. Having double the resolution, vertically double horizontally, doesn't mean everything is half the size. It just means it's sharper. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and But, you know, you definitely you do have to, you know, adjust the settings so that the icons are, are larger when running Windows on a Mac. <laughs> But would you buy one? If you're going out there and you had a spare twenty one ninety nine burning a hole in your pocket, Mike, would you buy mm-hmm. one? You know, um, I would actually. Uh it's not just the display itself, but the fact that, you know, they've managed to cram in uh a discrete NVIDIA GPU as well as, you know, the latest Intel Ivy Bridge um uh processor, um, as well as, you know, two hundred and fifty six gigs of flash memory. And all in, in a really slim and, uh, you know, sexy-looking package. So it's definitely worth it. And I know that on my 17-inch MacBook Pro, which cost twenty four ninety nine when I got it in 2010, and the hard drive is 500 gigabytes, but I maybe use 128 or 130. I don't bring all my stuff on the road. So for twenty one ninety nine and selling this one, maybe I can get twelve fifteen hundred dollars $1,500 for it. Hey, that makes sense to me. Mike Prospero, where do we find more of the stuff you do? You can go to www.laptopmag.com. Well, that's how you can find us on Twitter. Send us a tweet at Tech Night Owl. Once again, that's Tech Night Owl. Follow us, neighbors, and maybe we will follow you. We'll have to think about it. And we've got another radio show. It's a wacky world of UFOs and strange things, things that go bump in the night this week featuring a discussion of a book called The Pyramids and the Pentagon. (laughs) Mike Prospero, thanks for joining us on this week's show. Thank you. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.